0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Regan's Rugby Strength and Conditioning. Got a sports nutritionist with us this week. His name is James Fleming. I think uh, when we first met, we were probably in house parties, mashed off our brains and the world has brought us together again now in sort of a uh, fitness or coaching type relationship. But yeah, James has given us some time today to talk about his coaching, to talk about his, his background and The work he's done with rugby players, but also other people as well. So, cheers, James, for giving us your time today. No worries at all. Thank you very much for having me. I think you just said that it's a bit of a quiet day today for you.
1: A little bit, sort of. Um, it caught me on a sort of good day. The past few weeks, uh, as we, things start to reopen, things start to go back. It's starting to pick up, which is quite nice. Starting, starting to return back to some form of uh, back to some form of normality um but yeah fair, fairly sort of quiet day today a few meetings this morning and then um just Doctor planning planning some meals um, doing some uh, creating some content for sort of upcoming social media posts over the next sort of uh, few weeks or so are
0: you based anywhere or you work for yourself in a few different sort of places and parts and individuals
1: yeah, sure. So at the moment, I'm sort of still sort of um, East London, edge of Essex uh, base is still sort of around the um, the Loughton sort of Woodford area. Um, but I can then do the good in the in a way the sort of beneficial thing with lockdown is I've still been able to carry on sort of working remotely, albeit mm-hmm. sort of Zoom uh, things like Teams have been an absolute godsend over the past
0: well, mm-hmm.
1: year year or so.
0: Is Teams a different one like Zoom? Is it different software?
1: Slightly different, but works essentially the same thing. You can still sort of have everyone in the groups. You can sort of share polls. You can share your screens and things. Um, Yeah, so just a different alternative. I'm a diehard Zoom, even though today they
0: cocked it up and they've changed something. So I can't, (laughs) I couldn't put this in my group, but it's all right. So why don't you give some of the peeps watching or listening a bit of a background on you and maybe how you got to where you are now in time
1: yeah sure so um I suppose my story goes back well about 10 years ago now so um going off to uni my background is sort of uh sports science so I did my undergrad in sport at uh, sport and exercise science at Brunel University in West London from that the uh, there was always this sort of running joke at school that I was going to go back and I was destined to become a PE teacher uh, and that's an area I sort of always looked in but once you open up your mind if you like to the sort of how many different areas how many different routes you can go to within um, sports science the area that I really enjoyed was the nutrition Mm -hmm. and I think it's a really big impact a big area that can have so many impacts on an athlete's performance both in terms of obviously how they perform during training competition but also so maybe some other areas that aren't always uh, always necessarily considered There's things like recovery things like injury helping with sort of um helping with preventing illness as well for example and that's what I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. so I then went off to Loughborough University completed my master's in sport and exercise nutrition and then uh, spent a few years out for the sports industry and then uh, went in a, went into a completely different industry and just did a little bit of just for friends and um, people would still come to me but I wasn't really doing too much and then it was only a few years ago that I decided this is what I want to do, this is what I enjoy doing and um, so now I've started to get back into it over probably the past two years or so so um, I'm now registered on the Sport and Exercise Nutrition Register so it's an accredited program that um, as I said sort of suitably qualified uh, nutritionists can gain membership to me- gain membership on in terms of sort of where that's led me I started off with um, I started off just at my sort of local a uh, few friends and now I work with lots of lots of different teams from rugby rowing clubs um, some football clubs badminton clubs a whole mix of team sports, if you like, but then also lots of individual athletes. So, at the moment, currently working with a few runners. So, I think in lockdown, everyone's with the gyms closed. Everyone's got into running. Things that a lot of people I've spoken to—they've done the couch to five k, they've been running on a regular basis, and now they're sort of looking to sign up to their first competition. So, uh, I've got a few friend, uh, a few clients that are running their first marathons half marathons I've got someone that I spoke to last week who's doing uh, their first ultra marathon um over in sort of west uh, sort of west london um, Aylesbury way so a bit of a mix and then again my my interest is I, I like a whole range of sports they all pose different challenges and again from that nutrition point of view so uh, a few golfers as well but again I tend to work with a, a sort of I like a mix. I like a variation. I like the sort of different challenges that different sports, different competitions um, pose. Cool, yeah. And then outside of sport, I then work for uh, the NHS, delivering the sort of what's called the National Diabetes Prevention Programme. So it's just a program that help that focuses around sort of nutrition, physical activity, and exercise, and then some of these other factors, things like stress and sleep, in order to help them reduce that risk of becoming type two diabetic. So this is mm-hmm. for people that they go for a blood test their blood sugar level it's not quite high enough to be classed as type 2 diabetic but it's sort of slightly higher than normal so by starting to make some lifestyle changes it can help them reduce that risk if you like Mm -hmm.
0: loads of stuff there i think i think i think that uh i think that do sports science and you become a PE teacher put me off it and it's like now I've been in the industry for a while and most of the coaches like, it's not, I mean, it's not a bad thing anyway, but it's not the only path to go down. And there's another guy who I've spoken to who's been on this, on on the podcast as well, who um, was deterred from taking a, a degree like that. But then after like one year of some fucking shitty grad scheme, he hated, he just quit that and relearned it all. And now he's a coach again. And he's a really, he's a top level physio. So I think, yeah, it's a, uh, I wish it kind of put me off. I wish I would have studied that for three or four years rather than some random business related degree that I did. But we all led to where we are now, James. So we have to say certainly,
1: thanks. Certainly. At some did. Point.
0: Um and yeah, you mentioned a cool a few a few things there. First of all, one that I that I mentioned, I think I think you confuse the word friends with clients, but but when you when you have clients for so long, they do become like friends, don't they? Because you must talk at least a couple of times a week and you talk them through and you usually help them through like a, a big journey in their life, right? Whether it's a, a competition or if they just want to get their weight down, it can still change their life. I mean, mo- a lot of the guys on my program, even when they finish, we can, we can talk for months or years after. Is, is that the same with yours or is it more like a yeah, I teacher think it, style?
1: Absolutely. I think a good, um, a good part or a, a really important part of a good sort of coach-athlete relationship is building that rapport, building that sort of, like you say, that relationship. And like you did, like you say, you spend so much time getting to know them, things like WhatsApp, it, we're having sort of regular we, uh, weekly, regular check-ins with them. Um, you do start to learn about them. So they do feel like your friends and um, mm-hmm. you don't get to meet them face-to-face as much but again hmm. they do become sort of one when you're talking to them so often so regularly um yeah like you say they do become a friend so mm-hmm.
0: and you said that most of your stuff is it, obviously it's got to be remote now um but how, how does the delivering of that different is it because would you not just be sending them meal plans and food plans or how how is your fun example of someone how would you be coaching them through their process is it is it sending them a plan or how's that
1: yeah it's a good good question I think that's what I think that's the I suppose I suppose most people think it's a bit like probably what some people may think of PTs you're just going to send them a training program that's going to be it and I think that's probably the same with nutrition they're just going to send I'm just going to send them a meal plan and that'll be it that's it that's what you sort of get that's what you pay for but I think nutrition is so much more than that I mean first of all for a meal plan I can I do it for some people, if that's what helps them. I don't tend to do sort of a whole entire six weeks, because I can spend all this time creating a meal plan, and it, all it takes is one thing to change, and you, you sort of fall off the wagon. You miss a meal through mm-hmm. no fault of your own. That could be sort of changes in work demand, for example. That could be family commitments. There's a whole whole range of reasons that that might change so my my approach has always been this sort of food first education approach if you like so my my philosophy if you like is more when you understand what you're doing uh, sorry when you understand why you're doing something what you do then has so much more of a greater more long-lasting impact so it Mm -hmm. is about a little bit around sort of educating an athlete educating a person so things like Doing, thing, uh, doing things like meal planning how many people actually sit down and people go oh, I haven't got time for that but it doesn't take too long just get a piece of paper and you've just got your days of the week the different meals and you've just got an idea of what you're going to have even things like as I said thing, plans are always made to be broken even doing things like batch cooking leaving some good meals really simple easy meals in your freezer that if you know you're you uh sorry if you know you're going to get home and you haven't got anything fresh out you might get that out or you know you're going to be home late you might get that out in the morning before you leave home by the time you get home it's defrosted and you can just heat it up in the saucepan heat it up in the oven depending on the type of food mm-hmm. sometimes i think there's so many different areas and again i think there is a lot of misinformation out there particularly when it comes to nutrition so it's maybe trying to correct that understanding and i think there's a lot we can do with this sort of food first approach i think one a common question and again you may get this yourself is around sort of what's the best supplement to have but actually what's the point in a supplement supplement is it does what it says on the tin it's there to supplement a diet i -hmm. think there's so much more an athlete can do with their diet before they necessarily need the supplement don't get me wrong mm. there might be there are certain supplements that may help but as i said there's still a lot we can achieve with this sort of food first approach it's so again i think in terms of nutrition first, like sometimes it's always thought of as this sort of one size fits all but actually everyone's different everyone's got different uh, eating requirements different sort of day-to-day demands everyone's got different taste preferences everyone responds in a in a slightly different way again sort of going back to some of the running some people you talk at talking through a sort of pre-competition you help them develop a sort of competition day strategy for running uh, for runs and this could be any sort of competition and then on that day for some for some reason they decide to change it And then all of a sudden they're not they're having foods that they've never trained with before, they're not used to. And they start to get that sort of upset stomach. So having to stop on a regular basis. They're struggling to maintain that that intensity that they've trained at. Mm
0: -hmm. I was gonna say I I get that sometimes when people might tell me, Should I try this, should I try this new thing before a match or whatever? And I'm like, don't try anything new before a match, because you never know it's gonna mess you up and you might You might react terribly to it, and then that whole game is ruined, whereas you'd probably want to implement it in the training. I think that this is for rugby players, obviously, where they're playing every weekend, every other weekend. But, yeah, don't chuck anything brand new on your game day or competition day, because it might fuck you up.
1: Yeah, and I've seen it so many times where it might be one of their mates comes in, and they sort of say, oh, guys, I've got this. Um, Mm -hmm. Give it a go. It's amazing. It could be anything from... A supplement. It could be some form of food. It could be, could even be something that the athlete may be used to, but just a slightly different brand. And again, it's mm-hmm. that slightly different sort of ingredients, the slight different um, nutritional composition, if you like. That's just mm-hmm. you're not used to. Your body reacts it doesn't react as well as you'd hope it would. And that's, as I said, that can be the sort of difference between winning and losing a match. Exactly, mate.
0: And then you mentioned you mentioned supplements. Did you mean the more the protein type? supplements or the health supplements like or is it both basically
1: i think it's a bit of everything a bit uh, uh, so i think it's a bit of everything i think the most common one is sort of protein and it's sort of what's the best people sort of ask what's the best protein powder to get
0: what's the best brand what's the best brand
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well absolutely what well, what's the best brand what's the best protein and there's a few <laughs> there's a sort of a few things I always sort of ask an athlete first is first of all uh, as I said do you actually need it can you get what you need from the diet so in the case of in the case of protein, for example, are you are you hitting enough based on, depending on what your training goals are. If you're trying to build muscle, for example, trying to hit around, in nutrition, it always used to be sort of these absolute amounts. You should be having 100 grams of carbohydrate, 50 grams of protein, for example. But a much more effective strategy is this sort of grams per kilogram of body mass. Mm-hmm. So aiming for around that sort of 1.6, 2 grams of protein per kilogram of body mass per day. It is a good amount. So, again, if you're a 100 kilo athlete, 100, maybe a forward, that's going to look maybe closer to 200 grams of protein a day. If you're maybe a sort of lighter athlete, maybe around that sort of 80 grams, that's about 160 grams of protein. In terms of what that looks like in a meal, again, sort of our bodies can only process a certain amount of protein at a time. So, what we want to try and do is spread that protein intake evenly throughout the day again most a lot of athletes they'll just have all of their they'll go throughout that they're not really having too much protein and then they'll all have it in their dinner where they go crazy they might have two or they might have for breakfast just a bowl of cereal a sandwich at lunch and then have two or three chicken breasts with some rice at dinner maybe if it's on the sort of day before a game for example but actually there's lots of really simple ways that we can get more protein into our diet eggs for breakfast is a really good starting point so one egg for example is about six grams of protein so six to eight grams of protein so if you're having maybe a three egg omelet for example with some some vegetables you've already got about 20 grams of protein there Same with uh, sort of snacks as well. There's lots of really high protein snacks that we can get. Again, things like you sort of built on beef jerky. Again, you can get lots of different sort of protein based yogurts. Greek yogurt is another good one with a handful of fruit, handful of berries. Again, lunch, maybe trying to increase sort of the protein content uh, at lunch. So, again, that could be sort of chicken salad wraps, for example, is a good sort of starting point again you can obviously have your mid-afternoon snack and then for dinner again lots of options that we can include. my my it's one of my favorite meals to go to i just think it's really quick really easy really versatile it's things like stir fries so again you can choose the sort of type of meat so you can choose the type of meat you can add you can flavor it how you want lots of different vegetables lots of different flavors that you can add to it mm-hmm. when it then comes to those sort of supplements as i said people sort of go what's the best one but then it's also what about the cost of the supplement again some of those when you actually work out the cost some of these uh, protein supplements they sort of say oh it may be 30 35 pound per per tub for example and when you look at the serving some of the brands out there there'll be it it means each scoop if you like is around a pound per scoop Mm-hmm. some from that they would look at the pro- the instructions and it might say take one scoop every day some people go one is good two must be better so you're then going through that sort of shake if you like or going through the whole tub in half the time so all of a sudden you're spending 60 70 quid a month just on protein shakes where 60 70 quid we could do so much with that in terms of buying good quality sources of meat lots of fresh vegetables as well
0: mm-hmm I think that the supplements, the the main argument that I would say that it's good for is the time factor and the convenience, because it could be in your car. If you have a shaker, a bottle of water, you can have it any hour of any day. I have a few traveling salesmen or if someone's like traveling a lot. The convenience, I think, is the best thing. But like you said, number one, do you need it? Do you have enough already in your food? And then second of all, is it going to be the best for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, In terms of supplements, I think i i'd 100% agree it's that convenience that there are times that it would become it would come in useful like you say if you're if you're going and spending all day you're all day in the car a protein shake it's just something easy that you can have
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, if you're traveling away so if you're an away match as well so again particularly if it's sort of quite far away again some are depending on sort of what league you're in some some players are having to travel sort of 80 to 100 miles, or hopefully once COVID ends, traveling sort of 80 to 100 miles for um, games, and in which case a protein shake is something that's quite easy to take, mm-hmm. and it's a good way to sort of get that protein on board, sort of post game, for example. Mm-hmm. Something I think the other thing that does tend to get disregarded with supplements is, uh, I suppose, the uh, the risk of anti-doping, the risk of banned supplements as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, sorry, banned substances. Supplements—it's a massive industry worth absolutely sort of billions. But there's a lot of supplements out there that do contain banned substances. And UK Anti-Doping—they will, although it may not be as likely compared to the sort of top elite professional level athletes, they could decide to come come to a competition, turn up randomly, and start to test, start to test athletes. And if you're banned for having for consuming a, a supplement with a a banned substance in it can lead to a minimum of sort of two year ban from your sports, so that's no access to the facilities, no access to training um, for a whole two years, and it's massive, and it it does happen. Um, There was an athlete, there was a rugby player, he was based in Wales, I'm not quite sure what level, but he was banned, and on the UK anti-doping, you can see the sort of report, they redact, uh, redact a lot of it, but he even said he'd bought the supplement off a friend who actually owned a supplements company, And the supplement on it actually said, sorry, the supplement actually had the banned substance substance listed on the ingredients. Really? Yeah. And he just said, in the report, it just said that meant nothing to him. But Um, people don't
0: read ingredients, even with normal food. I think I spoke about this before. Even supplements is probably 20 ingredients you can't even pronounce. But people don't even look on the back of any packet because i said on the front the front packet is just marketing to fucking get you to buy it you have to actually look on the back and realize if the first ingredient is sugar then it's mainly sugar and if the second one is water like most of these juices might be um but yeah you need to check the back and actually fucking read stuff or you might get banned someone messaged me on facebook last week i think who it might have been that guy i think he's from wales he said um uh, I got banned from rugby for accidentally taking a banned substance, and my first and and I'm allowed to train as of this month. And we started talking a few times, but yeah, someone literally told me that last week. I don't know if it's, oh, yeah. I don't know if it's that same guy. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not it sure. must happen. It must happen. All the it must happen a lot, though, right? It can't just
1: be one guy. It uh, it does happen uh, again, the, the, and it happens across a whole range of sports. I mean, there's even so even uh, a whole a whole range of sports athletes are banned for sort of all sorts and I think sometimes athletes don't realise this sort of strict liability rule which it doesn't matter sort of how it got there all athletes are responsible and so this is where it's really important that athletes understand the risk of supplements the risks the risks of taking them um and using them and that's why I've always been this sort of I always take this food first approach but there are don't get me wrong like I say there are some supplements that I would recommend Mm -hmm. The thing I would say to anyone maybe watching this is whatever you're going to buy, whether that be protein shakes, just make sure it's Informed Sport approved. So um, you'll see it's a sort of yellow sort of logo on it. And it just means it's been batch tested, quality tested. And so it's been checked for any sort of banned substances. So it's a really important factor um, Mm -hmm. that I look for whenever I'm sort of looking at new supplements, new companies, for example. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then
0: something that you mentioned in the little intro was about something that a lot of people don't realize can affect your body weight, your training, your mood is stress and sleep. Like people think they can literally just calculate calories in calories out. There's nothing else to monitor, but stress from work, busy parents, busy jobs, COVID, all this shit all ramps up and affects your training, nutrition, your ability to put on or lose muscle or fat. And obviously sleep as well. Like not many people are as are as uh are able to but you're meant to have around seven or eight hours a night is that right i might get called out here by the yeah no by the the master's nutritionist
1: (laughs) so no you're you're absolutely right from a sleep point of view you're looking essentially it depends on sort of the stage of life that we're at so based on the uk sleep council for sort of adults between sort of 18 to 65 it is recommended that we get around seven to nine hours of sleep a night yes sleep Sleep, it's one of those things that it's a very open topic if you like some people function maybe closer to that function really well and they only maybe need sort of six and a half seven hours of sleep a night some people might need closer to that nine maybe ten hours of sleep some as i said uh, as you mentioned there's a number of reasons number of factors that might affect that sleep quality but again i think sometimes it comes back to that point of almost that getting the basics right when we get the basics right this can have such a a huge impact on our performance so trying to prioritize sleep at night don't take your laptop to bed i know it can be really hard i'm very guilty of it at the moment just doing sort of late night emails and trying to avoid those distractions maybe having a bit of a routine before actually going to sleep is a really, is a really good way. It's a real sleep is one of the most effective ways that we can actually recover from the demands of training, demands of games. Um, And as I said, a lot of people, uh, maybe with COVID, it's been a little bit different in terms of as people, some people I've spoken to, they said, oh, it takes them two hours to travel to work sort of each way. But now they've got that two hours back. So they said, I'm able to sleep a little bit more. Mm-hmm. i'm able to have a little bit of a better routine um, because i don't have to travel as much mm-hmm. and so it, i think there has been although we've all been affected in different ways with covid with this current situation i think there has been some silver lining some benefits to it for not all not everyone but i think some people have probably benefited in terms of maybe that sort of work social life that sort of maybe work health balance as well Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's been an opportunity for a lot a lot of guys when when it all went tits up and i was like what crap what am i gonna do like all the gyms are shut and whatever and actually i got a a lot more inquiries last year because people were like i don't have to travel to work i'm not spending money on beer all the bars and restaurants are closed and everyone or not everyone but everyone that jumped on my program saw it as an opportunity um but yeah it depends on the person's mindset whether they used that time or not
1: yeah, absolutely. That, like you say, I think it's that mindset that's such an uh, an important factor. Like you say, loads of people have maybe used this opportunity to actually focus a little bit more on them, a little bit more on that sort of general health, overall health. So, so many, I can't remember what the stats were, but there was an article at the start of the year saying there was so many. The Couch to Five K app, which is that sort of nine week program, gets individuals. Oh, I've lost you. it it was like the highest ever recorded and it it was something like tripled the sort of previous figures, something like that. So people obviously trying to sort of stay active, people aren't going to the gyms. It'd be interesting to see how many people actually go back to the gyms or how many actually sort of end their membership because they found other ways to stay active. Mm
0: -hmm. I did a poll on one of my Facebook or Instagram, what are people more excited to go back to and gym or a pub? And the gym got more by a couple of percent. I think it was like 60% gym, 40% pub. But it depends on on what they were what they were doing. Um, I'm going to try and swerve this back to the the podcast, which is the rugby side. So yeah. I know I know um, you work with the club that I have played at before, and worked with a few players with. But plus, you do a lot of individuals as well. So why don't you tell me about or us about the rugby specific stuff that you would you would be doing either now or at any point?
1: Yeah, sure. So again, I think obviously we're at a slightly different stage at the moment this is about we're almost in this sort of return to rugby phase and so again getting that basics in getting the basics in place making sure athletes are having a good sort of pre-training meal pre for some uh some of them that are sort of doing these um touch rugby competitions matches I've spoken to a few friends that are physios they play at other clubs and they're sort of doing some of these uh, mini competitions so just making sure you're fueling your body it's almost this um fuel for the work required philosophy if you like some people they try you're trying to play a really intense i know it's not it's not quite full tackling at this stage but you're trying to you're still trying to do huge amounts and it's again I I like this uh, I I love an analogy and sort of one of my favourite analogies is a bit like it's a bit like filling up your car with petrol if you put the wrong fuel in or worse you don't put enough in at all your body's not going to perform it's not going to you're not going to get very far so I think first of all having that sort of pre that good pre-training meal giving yourself some energy ready for the demands of that training although it might not necessarily be The training that you're used to it's still really important to get back to those basics Uh as part of that again even things like hydration i think hydration is an area that's so often overlooked but it's so important not just for performance but also for just general health so again, a good uh, again, how much we need to drink each day is going to vary from person to person. A good starting point, probably around sort of two liters of fluid per day, so two liters of water. A good way, um, a good way to do that is maybe sort of invest in a sports bottle. So I've got sort of I've got mine here that I've been sort of sipping on, um, and it's just it just acts as a bit of a visual reminder to try and stay hydrated throughout the day. Again again from a sort of rugby point of view, particularly in games, once that sort of fatigue starts to set in, the dehydration starts to get in, that's when a a team's more likely to concede a try. And that again, that's where it becomes that sort of difference between winning and losing a competition. As well as rugby, it could be the same for any team sport. Again, those sort of prolonged periods of time, particularly as we get into the summer as well. I think again from a sort of rugby point of view particularly from in terms of competition and there two two areas that are often missed is that sort of half-time refuel Uh, again most people won't have anything and then you're going to try and play another 40 minutes high intensity game and i think it's also the recovery aspect as well again i find recovery from speaking to different athletes recovery is an area that just tends to get ignored so they sort of finish that finish that session might be a training session might be competition and then they might just go straight to the bar if it's if it's after a match they might sort of go straight to bed but again we've got such a good window of opportunity there where we can get some really good nutrition in there to really start with these sort of Adaptations help the body start to recover, ready for that next training session, the next train, uh, sorry, next training session or next competition, uh, depending on uh, what the sport is. So this is where this is where, from a recovery point of view, in sort of sports nutrition, we call it. Some people you might hear it referred to as the three R's. Personally, I call it the five R's, which is first of all making sure we're replenishing those energy stores. It's quite an interesting rugby is quite an interesting sport at the moment because there's a lot more research coming out into it and it's actually a little bit more applied so whereas some a lot of the research studies used to be just based in the lab what they could mimic on a bike and bike a bike was always the easiest because there was a lot of blood measurements lots of different measurements taken but now they're starting to do some more applied work and actually some of the um some of the researchers uh sort of liverpool john moore's university they're actually doing lots of phds lots of projects in um rugby specific and so they're taking sort of muscle biopsies and they show that they're looking at the difference in sort of muscle glycogen storage. So how, that's, um, how that carbohydrate is stored in the muscle before, during and after a match. And they're finding that some games, some athletes, it's depleted by as much as 50%. So if you think of that by the start of the game compared to the end, that's a massive difference. And again, it just comes back to my point of it comes back to my point of making sure we're fueled adequately for the for the demands of our day for the demands of our competition
0: yeah.
1: so what we can then start to do uh, uh, what we can then start to do again is making sure once we finish trying to get a good source of carbohydrate on board so again how you do this is entirely up to you so this could be using things like your your sports drinks this could be things like using a banana some oat bars things like porridge depending on again a lot of these ideas will depend sort of where you are what you've got access to in terms of that protein as well so this is where we want to start rebuilding that muscle so the muscle sort of broken down during the exercise during the competition so we need to start rebuilding it helping it re- recover ready for that next training session so again this is where things like chicken salad wraps are a good example you've got some protein from the chicken again if there's anyone that might be sort of vegan or vegetarian you could use things like tofu for example and again there's lots of other uh, vegetarian or vegan friendly sources that you could use there you've also got things like the rehydration as well so again for every for every sort of kilogram of fluid uh, sorry for every kilogram of body weight loss due to dehydration again, aiming for about 150%. So this would be about one and a half liters. So something what's that? What that
0: equation again for every
1: so so for every so a good way to do this is if you weigh yourself before a training session, before an exercise session, competition, and then weigh yourself at the end. For every one kilogram uh, for every one kilogram of body weight loss so mainly due to sort of fluid loss sweating mm. so dehydrate uh, potentially sort of dehydration aim for about 150 percent replenishment so this would be the equivalent so if you lose a kilogram you'd be looking to drink about a litre and a half of um fluid after training not during. Uh after, as well
0: training.
1: As during uh after training during training depending on the duration of your of your training session of your competition I mean, rugby is a good example where you're quite limited between sort of you've got your halftime, sort of 10, 15 minutes during matches. Again, the only time you've got is maybe stoppages in play. If you've got somewhere that you can sort of quickly grab a few sips just to sort of keep you hydrated. But no, I'm just talking about purely that sort of post-training, post-recovery stage at this point. Then we've also got the effective of. Um, We've also got the effect of things like sleep as well. So having that adequate rest, having that time for your body to start to recover as well. So some people, some people will say, "Oh, you shouldn't nap. You shouldn't have sleep." Again, this I is I love an a nap, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm the same. It's a great way to. I think what a lot of some for people, recovery, yeah.
0: Wink, wink. That's
1: why <laughs> we do it. So some people they, um, some people they're just not injured uh, Sorry, some people they they may have it in the head they shouldn't sleep they don't want to sleep because uh, don't want to nap sorry because it'll affect their sleep maybe in the evening some people they maybe go a little bit the other way where they just sleep and end up sleeping for about a couple of hours and that's what starts to affect that maybe affect their sleep in the evening but again there's lots of research coming out around this so from the research i've seen a good sort of guideline if you like is no more than sort of half an hour so set a timer on your phone around sort of 12 only a
0: half hour nap.
1: Yeah, I know. I feel like a snooze. Um, sort of between around around sort of uh, sorry between sort of twelve o'clock and four o'clock in the afternoon is a good time. So, a lot of athletes I know. Some places like British Rowing, for example, they've actually got um, like a recovery centre uh, at some of their training centres where they've got beds where the um, rowers can between sessions they can go off and have a little nap um a lot of uh, the elite athletes will be encouraged to sort of take an afternoon nap just to help with that sort of recovery uh-huh. And then the other thing uh, where that sort of FIFA comes in is actually doing it on a regular basis. Doing it once, great, but doing it once isn't going to really make much difference. What we need to do is do all of these on a regular basis. That's where we're going to start to see some of that adaptation because we're able to perform well in our next training session. We're able to perform well on a consistent basis. Again, some people tend to, some people tend, as I said, they tend to ignore a lot of this. And uh, as I said, it means they might be quite sore for maybe an additional day. Um, And again, that can can affect their performance during their training, again, during the competition, depending on sort of what sport it is. So a good example, sleep is maybe a little bit different, but particularly if if there's anyone here that might be doing things like rugby sevens, where you have sort of short, high-intensity games, but you're doing a couple of games a day, this is where that recovery aspect is so important, so vital trying to do it as quickly as possible.
0: Mm -hmm. to get a quick nibble in and get a lot of water in between the the matches yeah yeah, uh,
1: again uh, an an additional consideration to that sort of fluid might be for those those athletes that sweat quite high uh, have quite high sweat rates maybe including sort of electrolytes electrolyte tablets or you can make your own adding a pinch of salt is a good example just to um, help like i say with those electrolyte losses
0: Um, and if you were, let's, let's keep on the rugby phrase. I've got to wind up. We've chatted for loads. I've got loads of other things I was going to say. If there was any sort of quick golden nuggets for like a local rugby player who might be watching, listening, what would it be like the main thing or two to focus on? Every day, right, a local rugby player.
1: Golden nuggets for me are sort of top two, I think is this focus on your diet first. There's so much you can do with it, getting the basics right, making sure you're getting good sources of carbohydrate within within your meals each day again same with protein making sure trying to spread that protein intake throughout the day as well as making sure you get lots of variety lots of different fruits and vegetables again so important Uh, getting lots of different fruit and vegetables again so many benefits to those and again i think a lot of people sometimes ignore the benefits of those again it's always maybe the carbohydrate the protein but fruit and vegetables they're, they're this sort of they contain lots of different vitamins lots of different minerals that are all so important for sort of optimal bodily function as i said i think there's so much you can do just from diet and just from diet and uh, again a sort of well-planned adequately designed diet should be enough without the need necessarily having that need for things like supplements for example food first you said yeah having that food first approach that's always been my approach but there's still room for things like supplements on the um on that occasion should they be needed cool
0: sweet right i'm gonna go to see if there's any questions i know a guy on the program ed had one I, i mentioned it earlier i'll just read it out so what are the good combinations of pulses legumes and the like that's wrong. Basically, to get complete proteins, and um, just for some com- context, this guy's a chef and he makes a lot of vegan and vegetarian meals, vegetarian meals, for his clients, and he ends up eating them as well. So he was just asking about the protein combinations for that. So you got any sure. Comments? It sounds like he's
1: getting it. sure. It sounds like he's getting some good combinations in that anyway. Um, just from 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 what you've said there, the sort of different variations. Yes. <laughs> What's the best way to answer this? Um there's so there's so many sort of we've with these sort of plant-based proteins for just to give some context for those that may be listening not quite sure what that means we have our sort of complete proteins that come from some more more of our sort of meat sources if you like so things like our our chicken and fish for example and then we have our sort of, for those that are vegan vegetarian we have our incomplete protein sources so absolutely this would be things like your lentils beans chickpeas are good examples um things like nuts nut butters to uh, nut butters things like eggs um uh, so things like eggs would be a good example for vegetarians if you're vegan yeah uh, so most vegans wouldn't have um the eggs best thing i'd say and this is where it's quite tricky because again certain it it's sorry it comes back to that point of trying to get as much variety Mm -hmm. if you like as possible so i'm trying to think of some some good examples um variety is important with food and training and
0: stuff like it doesn't matter if it's the best meal ever you can't have it every single day so Not knowing the best meal, but what you're going to, like you said earlier, what your tastes are like, what your morals are like, if you're vegetarian or vegan. um, It's important to know a lot of recipes, not just the one perfect one, because you're going to have to eat it for months, if not years, or probably the rest of your life, if it's a good diet.
1: Yeah, and this is where it's keeping, uh, if you give, exactly like I say, if you just have the same thing every day, it's going to get very boring quite quickly, and that's where Mm. you start to lose that engagement a little bit with it so trying to get lots of varied sources i'd say is really important so as i said things like your tofu uh, things like your tofu you have got those sort of um meat friendly alternatives things like your your corn for example your soy products your soybeans your um as i said things like nuts seeds things like peas um again there's lots of different alternative sort of soya based yogurts for example that are all sort of suitable for those as well so i wouldn't say there's any sort of best combinations if you like i'd say the biggest the most important thing is just getting lots of different variety lots of different tastes mm-hmm. again again as well as of a, as well as that sort of protein content there's there's all the the sort of different vitamins and minerals that are also really important to consider as well so I'd I'd carry on what you're doing, just getting lots of variety. That would probably be my best advice around that.
0: Mm -hmm. Cool, nice. There's loads of other notes I had, but I have a client catch-up in four minutes, so I'm going to have to shut it off there. Uh, But before we close, if anyone wants to get hold of you, James, where's the best sort of place to do that?
1: Yep, sure. Um, So I'm on social media. So um, I've got a Facebook page, Instagram page. They're both the same, just James Fleming Nutrition. Um, I've got my website, which is uh, jflemingnutrition.co.uk. Also, if you need to, feel free to drop me an email. So again, just jflemingnutrition at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. So if you were wowed, like I was, I've got loads of other questions I wanted to ask, but maybe we'll do a version two at some point. Um, Drop James... Drop, drop James a, a message or email, whatever. Um, he's a cool guy. I'm sure he'll be able to help you out, wherever you are. Um, but yeah, cheers for watching or listening. If you're watching and if you have a question, you can just comment below and I'm sure James will see it. Um, and if you're listening and you enjoy it, then um, just you carry on enjoying it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave it there, James. Cheers, cheers for your time, buddy. Um, no worries, mate. Uh, we'll, 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 We'll do a revisit at some point because there's plenty more topics I'm sure we could chat about.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Wicked. Cheers, man. I'll speak to you soon.
1: Cheers, mate.